Welcome back to Radio Entrepreneurs. I'm Jonathan Friedman, and our next guest up needs very little introduction. Mark Furman, shareholder of director of Tarlow Breed Hart and Rogers. Always a pleasure to see you. How are you, Mark? I'm doing well, Jonathan. Great to see you as well. Nice to see you. Uh, and you, as always, we're going to talk about entrepreneurship and the law and where they intersect. And uh, we're going to talk about some disputes with the master of litigation, Mark Furman. Uh, well, thanks, Jonathan. Uh, you know, wanted to talk about, um, you know, businesses that have more than one owner. Um, you know, there can be disagreements, believe it or not, in uh, how the business should be run, uh, who should receive what compensation, um, how to deal with changing environments. I mean, it's an unlimited number of things that people can have different opinions about. But certain types of disputes end up unable to be resolved. That may be because there's not a operating agreement or shareholder agreement that lays out how decisions can be made adequately. Uh, sometimes it's because some uh, owner feels like uh, someone else is cheating taking more money that they're entitled to or seizing a corporate opportunity uh, for their own benefit or paying themselves excess compensation. And, uh, um, and sometimes the fights are just about control and they're particularly, uh, um, there's been some high profile family disputes in, in uh, this area as you know, uh, the Demoulis case is the classic example that went on really for a very long time. And uh, also the legal seafoods uh, had its that. own That was a very issues. high profile case. Yeah. <clears throat> and very recently, the president of uh, Cane Donuts, a well-known uh, donut shop for people trying to maintain their... Uh, uh, their healthy eating habits are uh, brought a suit against uh, all his siblings based upon a, a fight between over control and other issues. <clears throat> and when there's a family component to it, it gets even more emotional and that uh, can make it much harder to resolve. But at the core these disputes are about a business and can be can impact the potential ability of the business to survive. I mean, the Demoulis uh, business this is quite large family business. Uh, Cane's Donuts, by contrast, is a um, is a donut shop with few donut shops. And it's a much smaller business. I think according to the suit, it does about $8 million in sales uh, per year in total. So, so interesting that, um, <laughs> you know, in a, that you talk about uh, whether it's a shareholder dispute, an owner dispute, or a family dispute. And, um, you know, I, I think from my experience, I would say they're all disruptive to the business. Um, you know, imagine having two uh, shareholders, if you're in a company with two shareholders in dispute uh, and trying to function 
um, above the line, as they say, while the litigation is going on and you're being torn apart uh, financially and, and probably emotionally, and at the same time trying to put on a game face every day and going in and operating a business. That happens very often. Um, and to your point, I think magnifying it when you've got the family situation, because now you've got in, in all likelihood, uh, people outside of the business also uh, chirping in your ear, family members and the emotion caught up in that. So, you know, complicated things to deal with. Yeah. I mean, I think that disputes are emotional no matter what. But I think family disputes have that heightened level emotional component to it. Because, look, if, if the older generation selects one sibling, and as the leader and uh you know the other siblings may feel pretty badly about that because they may have thought that they should have been selected um so that that emotional component can be very very difficult but you know the rules the legal rules of the road are um quite strict actually in massachusetts for companies that are incorporated in Massachusetts, whether they're LLCs or, or corporations or whatever, but um, the people who are the uh, who are running the business have duties to the company to act in its best interests, certainly. But under Massachusetts law, the owners of closely held businesses private businesses with a limited number of owners are treated as partners and they owe fiduciary duties to each other, which is the highest duty the law imposes on anybody. And that's to act not in their self-interest, but to act uh, in the best interests of the firm and the, and the partners. So that creates a lot of, um, um, argument for dispute because if someone's in control, uh, how much they pay themselves can be a challenge. Uh, and there, if, if you have a, uh, a an owner, minority owner typically, who is not doing a good job or is disruptive to the business, when had coming to the difficult decision to terminate that person <clears throat> or reduce their responsibilities can give rise to a lawsuit that um, you breach their fiduci the fiduciary duties you owe to them by freezing them out, which is uh, something that uh, um, is requires a complicated analysis and plenty of litigation gets caused by it. So at an, an enormous expense to the business. So you have partners fighting, you have all these litigation costs associated with the dispute. You may have um, expert fees on, uh, and, uh, and it's not surprising that sometimes businesses uh, can their existence can be threatened by one of these disputes. Sometimes it results in the business having to be sold. A happier ending is when things can 
maybe someone gets bought out. Um, so, and I'm always struck by the number of businesses that never quite get around to having the shareholder agreement signed or the operating agreement signed. You know, entrepreneurs are a uh, hopeful group of people. They're very optimistic and they are, they see the opportunity. It's so clear to them. And uh, they're less focused on the risks, which, you know, lawyers are trained to look at the risks, as you know, Jonathan. So, um, well, it's the so, classic, nobody ever gets into a marriage or a business thinking that about the end, right? And, and so, yeah, right. you know, every, every, everyone's full of, uh, I don't know, rainbows and, and, uh, and happy times, right? Right. <laughs> but way but some, some people enter into prenuptial agreements before they get married, despite um, <clears throat> that view. But, uh, and many businesses do, uh, you know, get their shareholder agreement or operating agreements done at the outset, but way too many do not. So the question of control, competition, what is the scope of the arrangement? So, you know, one, just to give you one example, it's like, you gotta think these things through, you know, the, the boilerplate is that, um, you know, let's say we're in the real estate development business. And we're partners, Jonathan. And uh, but what we're really doing is we're developing the property at one Main Street. Mm -hmm. So while we're working on that development at one Main Street, you hear about the opportunity to buy for cheap a property from an estate at five Main Street on very favorable terms. Can you do that? Hmm. Seems like a simple question. Yeah. So you consult the, the agreement, if there is one, um, and the agreement may describe the scope of the arrangement and whether or not uh, you can de develop five main street, or it may describe your agreement as to develop real estate throughout the Northeast, in which case you have a very different answer to the question. And then if you don't have a, a partnership agreement or shareholder agreement or operating agreement, then the law is gonna have to figure out whether you've usurped a corporate opportunity. And you got such a great deal on five Main Street, you're gonna make millions from it. So do I get to have half of it? Hmm. I so, mean, so, so, so it's interesting because what you're pointing out is the better the operating agreement, shareholders agreement up front that stipulates or spells out the specifics of the arrangement, uh, the better the likelihood that you avoid litigation, or at least there's clarity around what you can and cannot do. And, clarity and, can be helpful. Boilerplate so is, a, is a four letter word in my uh, it's more than one word, but it's just, there's no such thing as boilerplate. It's just yeah. uh, the, the word boilerplate gets you into trouble. Yeah, it, it's every situation is different. Every relationship is different. 
But I want to speak to something that you touched on because I think it's really important um, for, for you know, budding entrepreneurs or people um, that are perhaps in their first foray uh, into a business. Um, you know, how many active uh, litigation cases, and I don't mean specific numbers, but, you know, from a majority versus minority perspective that you've been involved with over your um, few years in the law, um, have you experienced where... Um, shareholders are having a dispute and it, it doesn't create an incredible bumpy road for the business. Um, that's my experience anyways. No, and, you know, the, 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 yeah. And so the ripple effect is huge. It's not only about the litigation, it's about the survival, as you pointed out about the business. And where I often see is, you know, litigants trying to keep their employees out of it. Invariably, they get sucked into it in some capacity. Um, you know, in a family dispute, invariably other family members get, you know, sucked into the litigation. If not directly, then certainly indirectly. And it's got enormous uh, implications, um, you know, to, to and, and no, no disrespect to you because you deal with this every day, but, you know, it, it, it's a little bit, and I don't know if it's analogous, but, you know, doctors becoming desensitized a little bit to health, you know, uh, um, uh, terminal illnesses in, in some respect. You know, I think lawyers can be somewhat desensitized to how damaging litigation can be to employees uh, and to owners that, uh, you know, don't take lightly the emotional impact of litigation. There's certainly the financial cost, but the emotional cost can be high as well. Well, I think when, when both the, the warring uh, litigants continue to work in the company. I think that's particularly acute because it, it can't help but create a toxic environment. When somebody um, has been um, terminated from the company, so they're left as just an owner, typically it'd be a minority owner suing for being frozen out. What happens is the key folks in the company are going to be witnesses. And so you're going to have uh, the, the expense of those folks having to be deposed. You have the question of whether you're going to need separate counsel to represent those folks. And uh, so you have someone in control. So in theory, the company's just operating without the uh, minority owner. But in practice, you've got the CFO sitting for deposition, the COO, the vice president of sales. And uh, to, to your point, there's a lot of people that get sucked into the, the abyss that is litigation and the complications yes, and, and, and it impacts and the operations. And, you know, in some of those cases, you know, the depositions can go on of each person for three days. Yeah, yeah. And it's, a, it's very disruptive to the business because it's not only the time in the deposition, it's the time preparing for the deposition and arranging counsels. So a absolutely. M Mark Furman, shareholder, director, Tarla Breedhardt and Rogers, it's always great. We can talk about this topic probably for hours on end. It's all the time we have for our segment today, but love to come back and talk about it further because, um, it, you know, it's a, it's a real concern and maybe talk about, you know, what can potential litigants do uh, to av avoid this situation in the, in the first place. So always good stuff. Uh, Mark, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? I can be reached at mfurman, F-U-R-M-A-N, at T-B-H-R, 
www.law.com or at 617-281-2025. Mark, always a pleasure to talk with you. Entrepreneurship and the law, a lot of things to learn and uh, wonderful seeing you. And we'll be right back with another segment on Radio Entrepreneurs.